Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. Basically, for as little as a dollar a month, I do a bonus episode with my weekly roundup of things I saw that week, and we do some interviews on there as well. Uh, we just finished covering Loki. We're about to start covering What If, so you know, come join us. We have a lot of fun. I do want to take a moment to thank our top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Philip Barker, Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. I've got a returning guest with me here today. It's a very familiar voice that I think you've heard before. It's Nick. Hello. Hi, Nick. It's um, me again. It's you again. You know, we've covered some kind of offbeat stuff like All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, our first episode ever was Dark City. Dark City. Uh, Nick happens to be my husband, if you're the first, if you're a first-time listener. That's me. That's his main description. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. End of list. No other redeeming <laughs> factors. No agency of his own. No. Um, but Nick is, is being generous and joining me this episode. This is kind of like a combined... Uh, we both really want to talk about this sort of situation. Uh, basically, I don't know if you've noticed, but Amazon Prime has really been advertising these films lately. Nick has bought them on Blu-ray because he's so excited about the fourth one coming out. So excited. Uh, without further ado, um, you know, my guest always picks the movie, so what movie did you want to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about Evangelion 1.11, and it is the first theatrical film in the Rebuild of Ava series. Okay. Why don't you give us a little bit of a background? Like, what... Uh, well, actually, we, we skipped over you. You didn't introduce yourself. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about you first? Well, I'm Nick, and people have heard the podcast before. I've been on a lot of episodes, so they <laughs> know true. who I am. Okay, okay. Well, well, we'll save your plugs till the end, then. Okay. okay. Well, can I brag on you just a little bit? Yeah, All right. So, in addition to being my husband... <laughs> I just think it's funny to, I think it's funny when people introduce their partners that way. But um, he also is a cosplayer. I am. And he makes props. I do. And they're really good. Thank you. <laughs> He's helping me make a Batgirl costume as we speak. So right now, right now, I'm he, working on it. I There's told him glue <laughs> and power tools and yeah paint going all all around the room i told him he has to help me with that and record at the same time simultaneously no he generously uh offered to help but anyway <laughs> i can't do it without him so he's very very helpful but um today we're going to talk about so we we are you know as i've 
established already about a thousand times. We're a couple. And also, part of why we got together was through cosplay. Mm -hmm. It's a little embarrassing. That's how nerdy we are. But, (laughs) yeah. How did y'all meet? Well, um, I mean, we did go to college together, too. But, um, we we both started cosplaying and and back in the day you know cosplay obviously that word comes from you know costuming but it's it's a japanese uh you know sort of slang term for it and um that's because a lot of it started with anime like i feel like cosplay started with anime i mean people dressed up in costumes previous to that yeah. but the, the the concept of cosplay yeah, like, kind of like, started like, around then uh, comic conventions had a few people dressing up like superheroes but i feel like the really like meat and potatoes of it was like anime right it's like basically at an anime convention you kind of felt left out if you weren't in costume and comic cons and star trek conventions weren't really There's like that plenty to do outside it, of costume yeah, like the the thought process was okay. If you're wearing costume, you've taken it a step too far. But in the anime world, it was like, hey, why aren't you wearing your costume? Kind of thing. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna make a joke, but I won't. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's too that's too nerdy. Um, but so you know that was something that we were both into, and you know this was back. I, I think probably our anime adventure started back in at least for me the '90s. Were you watching it that long ago, you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this show, Neon Genesis Evangelion, came out, I think it was 1995, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, I think it was 94, Yeah. That's like when a lot of big ones came out. Like, I think Sailor Moon debuted around them, yeah, too. Yeah, I think but... Cowboy Bebop was like 96. So all yeah. the, main, the ones most people have heard of, even non-anime fans, probably came out around then. Yeah. So this one was, I think I saw this. We, we kind of talked about this last night. I, I saw Evangelion when I was about... I'm going to say 16. So a couple years after it came out, I remember like renting it on VHS um, and then buying individual VHS tapes till I had all of it. When, when did you see it? I think I remember I started watching it probably in junior high. So probably 98 or 99. So I was, I guess, relatively up to date with it. It had been out for about three years. So not, not it was still kind of new. Um, I remember having, I think the first two or three VHS and that's when DVDs started coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And I really wanted the DVDs because it was the same price as the VHS and you got more episodes, but you didn't get all the VHS cover art. Mm hmm. And a part of me still to this day wants to like find an eBay auction that has all the I think like 18 VHS and just buy it and have it on my shelf. Yeah. So we kind of got into it probably close to the same time. Um, I remember it had a really big impact on me. Um, and I became kind of like an Insta obsessed fan. Is it the first impact? <laughs> it was the first impact. <laughs> That'll make sense later. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people ask where I get my, um, handle from online and it, it's from this show. It's, it's been around that long. Um, uh, you know, Ray was one of my favorite characters. She's probably one of my favorite female characters ever. And so, yeah, her name on the show is Ray Ayanami. And so I made myself Ayanami Lisa, like saying Ayanami Ray. Super nerdy, lame. But anyway, um, yeah, so I've been a fan ever since then. It was probably one of the first things that I ever cosplayed to. It looked terrible. I won't get into that. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, after all this time, I just bought another uniform. <laughs> and I'm almost 40. So if that tells you how much I like this show, uh, yeah, I, I you like know it the a old lot. saying, you have to get old, you don't have to grow up. Exactly. I will never grow up. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this movie. So, you know, basically Evangelion 1.0 or 1.11, as you said, that's what they call the Blu-ray. I think that the, the 1.11 is like the DVD and Blu-ray release mm-hmm. and 1.0 was the original theatrical release. That was in 2007, yeah, right? Whenever okay. they announced they were going to take the series and turn it into a four part like movie which sounds if you watch the show that sounds like impossible to be honest i mean so a lot of animes are 26 episodes either 13 or 26 this show is 26 26. and although there is a lot there is some filler um it's just there's so much ground to cover at first i was like how are they going to do that but then they did it and actually this movie is pretty good uh the the biggest difference between 1.0 and 1.1 is they cleaned up a lot of the animation, and I think they added a couple extra scenes. To yeah, it. I don't know exactly which scenes they are, but I do think they they made the animation like crisper, um, more for Blu-ray release. Yeah, because um, otherwise it would have looked terrible, to be honest. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was already way upscaled from the original show. Yeah, uh, but I think they cleaned it up even more for when they did Blu-ray. Yeah, um, but so. This first movie especially sort of recaps the series. Uh, as, as you get into the second one, things start to deviate from the show. But this kind of recaps with a few changes. Yeah, I, th- I think this one um, really is, other than a few changes like you're saying, it's mostly the first six to eight episodes. I think it's like one um, through six is what I yeah. heard. Yeah. And then the second movie is where it's almost as if like, there was like an alternate history yeah. where there was a, de- uh, a deviation and that's where the movies take on. So this is very grounded for um, the old fans to be familiar with everything. And also it kind of brings in new fans to explain what is going to happen later on. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I will say, you know, this is not unique to Evangelion in the sense that a lot of times when a show is really successful, there will be a movie mm-hmm. uh, that kind of capitalizes on that. Now, the original movies were called Death and Rebirth. No, Death Death and Rebirth and EOE, right? Death End and of, Rebirth was essentially a anything. recap of the show, I think, with comment, not director commentary, but it was more like voiceover, more explanation, like internal thought type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Death and Rebirth was... Or no, no, no. EOE, End of Evangelion, was supposed to be the true finale. I think it was supposed to take place like during the last two or three really weird episodes. But and I don't know for sure. It was not received well. Um, people didn't like it. So much so that the creator like became very upset and depressed yeah. and like removed himself from even thinking about this. So it took him a long time to kind of get back into you know getting this started again. Um, so this is kind of like a, no, here's the real ending. You know, it's kind of like how there's a lot of different cuts of Blade Runner. (laughs) It's, it's kind of like that. And, and, and with anime, like I said, a lot of times they make a movie to sort of capitalize on the popularity of the show and it not doing well, not being that great is not that uncommon. Like sometimes the movies feel 
very rushed and like they're trying to cram too much story into them. Yeah. And they feel like a little bit my favorite word of a cash grab. I know I I said my Patreon, I hate saying that, but it does feel that way sometimes. Now there's some notable exceptions, you know, the Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer was great, Mugen Train. Uh the um Cowboy Bebop Cowboy movie. Bebop. Well, the the thing the I think those two are exceptionally good because they play directly into the plot of the show. Yeah, they they're don't not, try to recap everything. They don't, a lot of yeah. Anime movies they're not technically even canon. Mhm. Um yeah, the Demon Slayer movie takes place literally right after season one. Yeah, kind right of leading into season two. Leading into season two, which we don't have yet. And then Cowboy Bebop, the movie, takes place in the middle of the last two episodes. Yeah. So, again, it's uncommon for anime movies to be good. Even more uncommon for them to try to recap the whole show and be good. Like, I remember the Escaflone movie. It's okay. Like, it looks great. It's okay, though. Like, I feel like you get a better experience if you watch the show. With this, I actually think it's pretty legit. I think it it satisfies fans, hardcore fans of the show, but it also, like you said, can bring in new people. But all... Yeah, be- because they're, they're getting to see what the show was, but also they're getting something new. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, like, disappointing. So uh, we will give away spoilers... And so I'm going to read the synopsis really quick. Uh, like I said, if you want to go watch this movie, go watch it and then come back. But if you're still here, here's the synopsis of Evangelion 1.11, You Are Not Alone. Uh, after the second impact, Tokyo 3 is being attacked by giant creatures called angels that seek to eradicate humankind. The child Shinji's objective is to fight the angels by piloting one of these mysterious Evangelion mecha units. Yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens. And it's not what happens. Yep. <laughs> it's both. Um, so I think one thing that really draws a lot of fans to this show is that it kind of appears, you know, like if you watch a trailer, you feel like you have an idea of what it's about. You think you're kind of getting into like, oh, this is going to be like Gundams or something. Yeah. Nope. It, it, it becomes a lot more complicated quickly. There's a lot of different layers to the show and what's really going on. You know, it's not like a conspiracy theorist, but Promise is not like QAnon or something. <laughs> um, but there really is sort of a conspiracy happening within oh, the yeah. show as well as the things that you're seeing in the trailer. So it, it becomes this kind of like web that you're trying to entangle the entire show up until the very end. Uh, the movie does a pretty good job of still being able to weave in some of those tones it just kind of speeds things along which might be easier for some people to digest yeah no we've we've seen all four of them we're just talking about the first one now but the movies they do have to trim a lot out uh most of it for for the better but i think there was a few um key plot points in the show that didn't make it into the movie that i think would have been really good to leave in Mm -hmm. but Overall, the the four, the four part movie, the four part movie series, I guess you'd say, is really good, and you get the the idea of the story. Yeah, I think that's what's important. You know, a lot of times with these anime movies, as long as you stick to like, I guess, the soul of the project, so to speak, you know, the the spirit of what it's trying to convey, and stick with those those main themes and high points, um, I think you'll satisfy fans. It's when they 
mainly focus on just like the aesthetic of it sometimes in movies where you know you kind of it does feel like more of like hey let's just put this out there but this clearly a lot of thought was put into it and i think uh you know hideki uh, ano um has really grown not just as a you know writer but as a writer and director i mean he's the story was really good but yeah. he's taken it even further and kind of polished it and I think even worked in some newer themes that were maybe lightly touched on the previous version but really take a little bit more front and center stage like climate change. Yeah, it was um, hinted at, but this one, the, there's definitely a lot more um, pretty much just out in the open comment about it. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of anime, um, especially like I, I feel like the most popular animes tend to draw inspiration uh, from, you know, World War II, basically, yeah. uh, from the bombing, because that's, like, the biggest thing that's happened, right? I mean, One honestly... The first anime ever was um, Astro Boy. Yeah. And his task was to clean up Fallout. Yeah. And, I and you know, I'm thinking of, like, Akira. Yeah. Um, has uh, Draws a lot of themes on that. And this show's no different. Um, should we tell them a little bit about Second Impact? <laughs> um you want to explain it (laughs) uh first impact is implied that it's what got rid of the dinosaurs the first impact yeah um second impact was Mm man-made they essentially found the first organism adam and they tried to revive it essentially and that did not go well but in the show, you don't know that at first. Yeah. You just know you just that know there was a huge impact explosion. Destroyed a lot of the planet and 50% of the population. It wasn't Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and I think after that too is when people started saying, hey, in this year, we're going to start having these creatures come and kill all of us. So we got to like prepare for that. And that's the angels. Um, there's a lot of like Catholic imagery and influence in the show it's a lot of catholic and um um what's what's the um like jewish myths mysticism um like kabbalah yeah a lot of that too oh okay i didn't realize that um but yeah there's a lot of like it's more mystical you know than like your straightforward catholicism um and uh yeah, so some people believe this, some people don't. It happens. <laughs> and so, you know, there is some research put into creating these Avas to fight them. And so basically, like, uh, the, I guess, organization called NERV that we come to know, mm-hmm. they have an edge on the rest of the world because they're better prepared for these attacks. They have the technology... Um and the know-how to fight off the angels. They gained this technology not by legal means, but... <laughs> yeah. But it's like, so So that's what's happening. Basically, um, we're being attacked by angels. There's going to be 13 of them in total. And so we have to kind of try to protect what's less what's uh left over in the world like yeah. there's almost not there's not a lot left the population has been diminished and so different countries are trying to you would hope work together to fight these creatures but instead seem to constantly fight each other you know the military and this organization and another organization that helps them 
was it called Sealy or Sealy? They're all sort of at odds with each other and kind of doing underhanded things instead of finding a direct solution, which sadly feels like that checks out and what yeah. would happen if something bad were to happen or is happening currently. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the basis of the show. Um, so I kind of wanted to get that, just kind of have a rough explanation. Now, yeah. this is like the roughest possible explanation that I'm giving you. Yeah, there's a lot it of goes shit that's going on. into it may, much more and better said than I ever could. I would recommend, you know, looking up some... Uh, behind the scenes or explained or just go watch it or watch it yeah but it's it i like the show because and this movies because they have a lot of layers like i mentioned and you do find yourself kind of revisiting and looking for more and more details and sort of uncovering more and more oh, yeah, secrets there's always something i find that i miss and i've seen the series probably like a dozen times yeah exactly so um let's talk a little bit we're going to kind of skip over you know talking about the director and the actors it's a little bit of a different format i think this time around but do you want to talk a little bit about like some of your favorite scenes um well i guess just in general the scene um you could say what drew me in especially as a kid was just the aesthetic of it like yeah. i thought i was gonna get something kind of like gundam but when you see the i'm doing air quotes the mechs they look like humans. They're anatomically yeah. correct. They don't look like robots. Yeah. And the more the series goes on in the movie, I feel like we're just talking about the series now. <laughs> well, but, I mean, it happens in the movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, you find out that, oh, there's like hardly anything robotic about these other than we hooked up our like control systems to their brain. These are like giant living creatures. Yeah, there's a couple of reveals in the movie. I think you see a hand or two that's flesh-colored. Yeah, I think... Well, look, we can get into the movie. The The first fight scene, um, Ava Unit 1, has its hand broken. Mm -hmm. But then it repairs it. But when it does, it kind of, like, repairs through the armor. And it's just, like, a regular human-looking hand. Yeah, that was a big reveal in the show, where um, you notice hands, and then later I think we even get to see bleed. a face. Yeah. yeah. And you realize, oh, these aren't really robots. They're basically humanoids, giant humanoids. Yeah. So it's kind of like Attack on Titan in that way, I guess, a little bit. But, um, you know, it's just that's one of the mysteries that you uncover as you watch it. And basically the pilots have to get into this, uh, into their suits. They have these little things on their heads that sink them to the creature. And then they have to get inside of a little pod and that's like pretty much put inside of their spine. Yeah. So they're like, they basically take over yeah. the brain of the creature. Um, so that's what Shinji and the other characters do. And in the the movie kind of starts off like the show where Shinji's very estranged from his father and then he comes back into town because his father requests him mm -hmm. and his father's like, okay, get in that robot and yeah, fight. Yeah, dad needs him just to pilot these Avas. He, has, he doesn't care that it's his son. He hadn't seen him in three years. Yeah. And that's the first thing. He's like, well, go out there and fight this thing. You might die. Yeah, but and don't. he's kind of like, what is my motivation to do that? And to kind of spurn him on into doing it, he's like, if you don't have to do it, Ray has to. And Ray is heavily injured, but ready and willing to immediately put her life on the line. And that happens like a few times in the show and in the movie where he sees the way that she is so self-sacrificing. Yeah. And it kind of 
it helps him, you know, make that same decision um, to, to pilot the Ava. He realizes that more is at stake. I feel like he's so lonely and disconnected from humanity because his father abandoned him that he kind of, I mean, he just doesn't see like why he should do that. But as he creates more and more connections in the show with other people, he realizes how important it is and it, it makes him more courageous. Also, that's another big upside to the movie versus the show. He's a lot more courageous, I think, in the movie. He has more yeah. character growth quick quicker yeah. in the film than he does in the show. Yeah, I think he pretty much first pilots it because he wants respect from his father. But then the more he's in the Avas, he realizes he's protecting this whole city. Mm-hmm. He starts to make friends. Um and he's like, oh, I'm doing this for everyone. Yeah. And so it's very, goes from a selfish reason to a selfless reason. Yeah. But I kind of like the parallel with, you know, he when he meets, like, Masato, who's another one of my favorite characters, uh, who's the lieutenant colonel commander? Lieutenant? She's pretty much in charge of that department. Yeah. The pilots. Not necessarily the Avas, but the pilots. I think she's, no, she. I think the, the Avas, too, like, tactical yeah. Yeah. But I think um, another character, Ritsuko, is more in control of the actual Avas. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Masato ends up being his caretaker. Not, she doesn't have to be, but she realizes that he's going to live alone and he's 14. And so yeah. she kind of takes him under her wing. And they have a lot in common because she had a difficult relationship with her father, which they don't really touch on as much in the movies as they do in the show, but there, um, I think they touch on it in the second movie, but it's more of just a conversation Shinji has with um, um, Ritsuko. No, Fuyutsuki. No, Kaji. Kaji. Okay. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. That I I already have to watch it again. I guess. Um. <laughs> but yeah. So. Uh, it's touched on more in the show, but they have that in common. I think she sees herself in Shinji. And also because her family, you know, her father is no longer with both her parents aren't. I think she has some kind of like somewhat motherly instincts towards Shinji and she wants to help him. And she's a very empathetic character towards yeah. him throughout Shinji's the movies. Father Gendo is garbage, but <laughs> I feel like Misato feels like. She wishes she could have patched things up with her dad before yeah. he died, so he, she's trying to help Shinji do that. But... Yeah, that's a good point. And so he, you know, he has some stronger connections, but there is sort of like a parallel of like people have different motivations than yeah. just saving the world. You know, even though the world is basically ending in these movies in the show, um, a lot of what drives people to do the things that they do are their connections it is like approval from your father or you know fixing issues with your mother or you know things like that okay so uh so those are a couple of things that i really like what's what's another scene that you liked um well i i think i mean i know we've said this before but i do like how this um ano was not scared to make the first movie the first several episodes of the series that could have been catastrophic and they would have just not made the movie they'd be like we've already seen this yeah that's but true. the way he did it there was enough familiarity but he changed a lot of the scenes to where like 
the the design of the angels were the same, but then they were so much more modern. Yeah, that's true. Like, um, I think the the second angel he fights, which is actually the fourth angel. In this series? The fourth angel, but it's the second <clears throat> one he fights. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it has a lot more detail. Like, it has these really creepy-looking, like, crustacean legs on it that I don't think the original one had. Mm. I think the original one just had these glowing, like, tentacles but this is like more creepy looking yeah i think a lot of the original angels yeah they were very basic in design yeah and these they have more cg now yeah yeah and the cg used in it is great because it's not cg it's like they put like a layer of cell shading over it to where Mm -hmm. it looks exactly like the rest of the animation it's like very well done yeah not overly done yeah i think i think a lot of the fight scenes i always loved the fight scenes in the show which I don't always say that, but the the battles with the angels are fun to look at. They're always very different from each other. There's a lot yeah, of the angel, every, carnage, honestly. Yeah, every angel looks like crazy different from the last. Yeah, and like the build up and the fight with them is always kind of exciting. You know, they always like barely win, and it's fun to watch. But um, I feel like they improved them even more in the movies. They were even they just had more of a budget. Although yeah. I I did read that that's like a or we, we read that it was, like, not true that they had limited budget. See, but I, I don't know. It I've seems like both. it because, yeah. I've heard, like, the bud, there's budget issues. Um, there was an issue with the cost of red ink or red paint. That's why I think in the movies there's so much more red. Mm-hmm. In the show, everything was just kind of yellow. Yeah. Or orange. Or orange, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Uh I feel like they had a lot of ideas that they would kind of have to imply. And then in this movie, they were able to kind of flesh out. What are yeah. what are some of the big changes that happened that you like and, and you think are an improvement? Um, well, there's not a lot of changes in this one. Um, um, one key difference, you kind of have to go towards the end of the movie but, okay, so let's say the, the movie takes place in, like, a span of the six to seven episodes. Yeah. But one of the last scenes, you see that Sele's base is on the moon. Yeah, that's true. That's a big reveal. Which is only reference, and I think there's one scene of Gendo in, like, in a ship going up there. But the cool thing is this, we see that Sele is on the moon, and we get a glimpse of Kauru. Yeah, which you don't see him. I mean, he's the thirteenth angel, so you don't see him till episode twenty. I think. Yeah, so till towards the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, But in this one, he shows up in uh, the first movie, but towards the end, it's pretty much you get a glimpse of him. Yeah. But you get so much more in that that clip, that like quick scene cliffhanger, than you did in the entire series. Like you see him pretty much. I feel like he's just been awoken. Yeah. He's out of like this weird pod looking thing. But the if you look next to him, there's a row of closed pods. But then there's also like two already open ones. That's mm. not explained. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I do like that change. Only uh, the other reason why I like that change is because Kaoru was one of my favorite characters. And, and he's like he not plays, in it enough. He you know? plays such a bigger part in the movie yeah. than he did in the show. And I feel like he... Uh, Anno realized 
Garu was kind of wasted in the show. Like, he's introduced and then, spoiler, killed off, like, the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, in this one, he's pretty much woven throughout all the movies pretty well. Yeah. Like, a more fleshed-out version of Garu. I think another change that I like is the bond between Shinji, Kensuke, and Toji happens yeah. a little faster than in the in the show. Yeah, it's... it's... A little different, but pretty similar. I think uh, you get the first scene where um, Toji's mad because Shinji poorly pilots Unit 1 for the first time <laughs> and his little sister gets injured. Yeah. Um, and so he beats him up. But then whenever he's fighting the fourth angel, his second encounter, he directly saves Kensuke and Toji. And they pretty much were like, oh, wow, this is intense we didn't realize you were doing all this yeah and like shinji almost dies in front of them and it's crazy but then after that they respect him and they're like his become his best friends mm -hmm. and that's one of um i want to say more of a organic yeah friendship that he makes that he like we we're talking earlier which keeps him fighting in the yeah. Ava. like his relationship with misato's kind of forced yeah because a little bit. it's his boss but these <laughs> yeah. are his first friends and who knows how long yeah like, true friends right and uh they all go to the same school so i guess another good thing to mention would be that like they're in neo tokyo right um and yeah, tokyo three so tokyo three sorry yeah i'm thinking of akira <laughs> but um same. yeah it's been destroyed a couple times and basically everyone that's living in this city um well these Evangelions are like, or not Evangelions, the angels are like drawn to this city. So like, and a lot of people have died. So like almost yeah. everybody doesn't live there anymore. There's a few core people that still live in that city. And a lot of them work for Nerve. But I think there's kind of like a, a two things going on where it's like, on the one hand, um, people are trying to rebuild Tokyo. And then on the other hand, they're trying to protect it. Yeah. Um, and that kind of comes up in the show too of like, you know, the fact that um, things are getting worse and worse and people are thinking about mass exiting. And that, that puts a lot of pressure on Shinji, too, that, you know, he's supposed to protect the city so this doesn't happen. And every time there's an incident, more people want to leave. Well, the school that he goes to, um, the kids don't know. He doesn't know. But basically, that school's kind of artificially there. Well, if you notice, there's no upper or lower classmates. Yeah, it's just them. And they're all the same age, pretty they're much. In, it's implied in the the show. They don't really say much about it in the movies, I think, because it's that isn't necessarily important to the movie plot. But in the the show plot, they're all potential Ava pilot candidates. Yeah, they're all potentials in air quotes. But then Ritsko is, I think she's the one that picks them. Yeah. And she knows who she's picking. And they're, spoiler alert, they all have like a reason that they're picked. It's well, they, not like chance. They were all born <laughs> right after Second Impact. Yeah. They've all lost all, if not most, of their parents. Yeah. Or, and family. So it's either just them or maybe one parent. And somehow, a little bit of a spoiler somehow their parents are connected to that impact. Like, yeah. it's not just that they're orphans. It's that they're orphans that worked for the organization that ended up being Nerve. So there's, like, a, a bigger connection there than you'd think. Um, and 
Yeah, so, you know, if you watch the whole show, you know that. If you watch the movie, it's sort of implied, but not really touched on as much. They take a lot of it out. Um, and it's, it's really not that important, kind of no. like you said, because you know how, like, in Harry Potter, towards the end, they don't go back to school? Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like that, where it's like, there are several episodes about the school and about how they pick the, you know, pilots, but really, ultimately, it doesn't matter, because there's a few that are predetermined to be pilots, and they're the only ones that really end up having a part to play anyway. Yeah, there's there's some stuff we can get into, and but that would be if and when we cover the second movie. Yeah, I would love to. But, I think that one will actually even be more fun. This well, is sort of like to wet your palate for the second yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> once the second movie is where you get a really new like bit of material. Yeah, and I really like the way it veers off from the original plot a lot. Um, yeah. I'm, even though I love the original plot. Kind of like what we're saying, though, about the students are potential pilots in the show. It's not so much in the movie, um, because in, in the, in the, there's a part in the second movie that takes place in the show, but it's very different because yeah. um, Toji is um, picked as one of the pilots. Oh, yeah. But in the movies, they don't really even hint at that. Yeah, that's true. He's never chosen. There's, There's someone else that ends up getting kind of sacrificed. And I think it, that person makes a little more sense. It, it does. That's like in the, it was a good episode in the show because Toji gets picked. Kensuke really wanted to be picked. Yeah, he's like the kid that's obsessed with war yeah. and sees a lot of honor in it. And he's like, I don't know, brainwashed by propaganda. Like he wants to be in the thick of it. But um, when they get to know Shinji better, they realize how bad it is and I think they lose their desire to yeah. to pilot the Avas and I, I do think that's sort of like a commentary on war because I think the whole thing is very anti-war um, you know not necessarily anti-military but anti-war and uh, I think that's part of Kensuke's character growth he doesn't have quite the same character growth in this one it's a little different but it's like they they realize through seeing what Shinji goes through that it's easy to like stand back and comment negatively yeah. on somebody's, you know, performance. But when you're with them, you realize, Hey, he's just like us. He's a 14 year old child. He doesn't have a choice. He didn't even want to be here. And yet he's being forced to do this, yeah. which I think is kind of cool about the show that plus the destruction that you see in the city, you see a lot of it and it's not played for just like, Oh wow, that's fun to watch buildings explode. It really feels, you feel like the weight of those decisions, you know, Toji's sister gets injured because of Shinji. So like you get that gravity right away that I think you don't get necessarily in a lot of mech shows. Yeah. And like we were saying when, um, Shinji saves Kinsuke and Toji from, um, the fourth angel, they realize what he's dealing with because they sneak they want to see it yeah they're like oh we want to get in on Kensuke that always see has that. his camera on he's always <laughs> filming stuff and so they they go up there they pretty much leave the the little shelter and the battle's like right there like ava unit one gets tossed and almost crushes them yeah and the fourth angel comes and starts attacking shinji and they're like why isn't he fighting and they realize He's not fighting because they're right there. Yeah, he doesn't want to hurt his classmates. They will die. And so pretty much Misato sees this happening on camera and she's like, the only way this is going to work is if Shinji squishes them. Yeah. Or they get in the Ava with them. So they climb up in there 
and they get to firsthand see like what he's dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And also the fact that he's willing to die. Yeah. To save them, like <laughs> yeah. with them just sitting there, he wasn't gonna risk hurting them. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like as the as the movie goes on, um, you kind of learn quicker. I mean, you kind of know a little bit in the beginning, but I think, like in this movie especially, that when they hurt the Ava. When the angels hurt the Ava, it hurts the pilot. Yeah. Uh, they experience pain and distress. It might not necessarily be permanent, but it's, well. yeah, it depends. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, they, they're, like, he gets, Shinji gets stabbed through, or the Ava yeah. does, and he grabs his stomach, but he's not actually being stabbed. Yeah. You know? Now, if the if the angel actually stabs through the little pod that he's in, yeah, yeah he's screwed. That will, he'll be screwed. But that's another aspect to it that, I mean, that's why, you know, growing up when I was watching it, my mom would walk in and go, the show is just screaming, like agonizing screaming. I and I was like, mom. and I was like, yeah, it is. Um, but, uh, so that's another interesting, I think, aspect. I mean, if you watch Pacific Rim, you know, they kind of borrowed some of that from, yeah. from this, but it's a little more complicated, I think, in this show than it is in that movie. But, yeah, they there's a lot of cool sci-fi stuff that I I really enjoy in this, like the you know breathing the liquid oxygen, yeah, um, and and having that sort of not symbiotic but it's a link. connection, it's like a link, a neural that's link. right, neural link to the to the to the Avas also. So you know it just makes it more exciting to watch because I mean sometimes in a mix show you know they're fighting and it's like I mean there's stakes, but with this it's like instant you know pain if yeah. they get hurt. So it's like exciting to watch. Um, that sounded dark, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Ender's Gameish to too. With... Pain. <laughs> yeah, and it's a little bit uh, Ender's Gameish the fact that you know they have to, they have to do it. It has to be children, yeah. which is sort of, sort of explained in the show, not entirely, but you know, touched on enough. Um. Well, that kind of covered Shinji's first and second fight. Yeah. Um, his third fight was really cool because that is where we get to learn a lot more about Ray. Yeah, so we met Ray in the beginning, and, and you know right away looking at her, you're like, there's something off about this girl. She's got red eyes and blue hair, and she and seems to be... this isn't an anime where everyone has that, so right. she looks odd. Yeah. Everyone else just has, like, black or brown or blonde hair yeah. or like brown, I guess Misato's blue. is, like, kind of purplish, but... It's kind of yeah. hard to tell. But yeah, everyone looks standard or whatever, and she stands out. Plus, she acts like a robot, which is probably why I like her so much, because I love robot characters. But um, she's she's very... Uh, whereas Shinji is alone, she's even more alone. There's no history on this girl. We don't know where she came from in the beginning. And um, she seems to not have a lot of emotions. Like, when Shinji goes to give her her new pass, which also happens in the show, he stumbles into her apartment and there's first of all there's bloody bandages everywhere because she's been injured in the Ava during a a test phase and um, I think this is after we learned that she was in Ava unit zero it like went berserk which is something that they can do and that's when they like lose control of them yeah the the link is lost and the Ava's just taking over its own body yeah and it, it, it almost killed Ray and then in a uncharacteristic feat of heroism uh gendo saved ray he opened a hatch burned his hands really bad and i think this causes ray to sort of kind of fall in love with him or at least idolize him after that and and be even more um determined to fight for him but 
we get little hints of like, you know, Shinji goes to room, there's bandages everywhere, all the lights are off, um, it's kind of in disarray. And again, like she doesn't have any, she doesn't seem to have any connections to people. The only connection is um, in what you're saying when Gendo saved her. I mean, it burned the shit out of his hands and his glasses fell off and broke. They like melted off. But they she cracked, kept yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the only thing she has that isn't like a necessity. Yeah, because like she doesn't seem to have any, you know, she doesn't do anything in her free time. She doesn't focus on anything but books. getting in the that's Ava. It. Oh, yeah, she reads books. That's true. Um, I guess the glasses. We could go into something, but I don't think we should yet because okay. we need to introduce more of the characters. Okay. But yeah, the, the glasses do play a big, not a big part, but like yeah. I said, it's 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 a connection Ray has to someone. It's like a keepsake. Yeah, and Shinji is kind of like in this weird place of where he's kind of jealous of the attention his father gives her. It's more positive, like they yeah, have chats, like just talking, not just. He like, makes her smile. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, he's also sort of attracted to her because they're kids and, you know, there's actually another disturbing reason he's attracted to her. But, um, yeah, so, you know, you were going to talk about that fight, though, that he was Yeah, so pretty much we we get to see a little bit about Ray, and then so pretty much the next angel that shows up. Like I was saying, they're vastly different. The first one was kind of humanoid. The second one looked like a weird sea creature. That can fly, and now this one's just a big Rubik's cube, pretty much. Just yeah. a big blue square. I think I always like that about the angels is it's so outside of the box of what they a monster could look like. Yeah. You know, like there's no rules, and they all have very different like abilities. Yeah, the so, the only thing that you have to know about each and every one of them is they all have like a core. There's a core, which is essentially the, a soul. Yeah. And they have something called an AT field, which is like a shield that they can put up yeah. that the Avas have to penetrate to get to their core. Anyway, go ahead. But so, okay, so Shinji fights off the last angel, and there's like a day or two. There's always like one or two days, and then another one shows up. So yeah, this blue it's guy happening rapidly. shows up. <clears throat> blue guy. And what he decides to do is just kind of hover directly over Nerve HQ. Oh, yeah. Which is really deep underground because we never even mentioned the Geofront, which is really cool. It's like this big underground base. Yeah. That looks like a paradise. Yeah. But so this guy, he just starts drilling down very slowly. They say it's going to take like 12 hours. 10 hours or something like that. And so they're like, okay, let's let's go fight him. And when they do that, he shoots off this blast that can like melt everything. Yeah. Like mountains are gone. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, we need to take them out, but from far away. And and the government and Sele is putting pressure on them, like, well, just blow the whole thing up. We're, um, obviously, this angel's going to get down to Adam, and we got to yeah. blow everything up. But he's still above the city that is still somewhat populated. Yeah. Or at least it, they're all in shelters, but people kind of need to go back into the city. And Katsuragi's like, that's a huge waste. Like, all their, you know, research and the things that they've built to just, just you know, destroy all of it. Yeah. She's like, let's think outside the box. How can we, you know, defeat this creature and save everybody? So pretty much, Misato's big thing is she always comes up with the most ridiculous, <laughs> most unlikely plans to work, and they always work. Yeah. But so they get this bonkers large, like, 
essentially a sniper rifle that yeah. shoots just inter- like energy. And so they're like, okay, we get this thing. We're literally going to power down all of Japan just to power yeah. this thing. Which is weird. Now it kind of feels like when we have like rolling blackouts yeah. and stuff, but they, like, they just make an announcement. They're like, thank you for your service, but uh, no we're going to have to no power tonight after this time. Like almost no warning. So there's this big buildup, this big like military like prep and everything. And you find out that this is the first mission that Shinji and Ray are both going to be on. Yeah. So they're like, okay, Shinji, you're going to be the gunner. And Ray has this big shield to hopefully protect them from this blast that can like flatten mountains. But I love that Shinji is like, I don't want to do it. We could die. And Ray goes, okay, stay here and go to sleep. And she's she like, just leaves. Yeah, she's she's like, like, I'll do it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, never mind. I'm coming. Um, here I am. <laughs> and, um, so pretty much there's really good like this this angel like i saying the way they changed some of the the graphics not graphics but the way they changed it this was like really cool like in the original show i think it just stayed a cube the whole time mm-hmm. but in this one it like does all kinds of crazy like morphs into other shapes and like spikes and it's like screaming it's like, yeah really cool the way they did it um and so they do their plan they Shinji shoots it, and they think they got it, but then it, like, reforms, and it shoots a blast at them. And pretty much the last minute, Rey pops up with her giant Ava shield. Yeah. While the big sniper rifle energy gun is charging up. So she's melting. Um, Shinji manages to get the shot. They kill it. And Shinji runs over to... Ray's entry plug burns his hands. Yeah. Very similar to Gendo. Gendo. And he comes in there and asks if she's okay. Yeah. And then he tells her something like, don't say that it doesn't matter if you die. Yeah. She's like, oh, he said something like, before mission, don't say goodbye. Yeah. And so that was really cool. So now we got to see him. The first time he fought was for the city. Yeah. The second time was for friends yeah and then the third time was more for like I, I'm, I'm trying to think how i would describe it like like self-worth almost yeah or or i mean for ray really yeah he just he didn't want her to he doesn't want her to go it alone he you know? felt like he's realizing he wants a purpose, so he kind of wants her to have a purpose. Yeah, to find meaning in life, And I, I feel guess. like he never really thought of it when she said, I'll do it myself. If I die, I die. He's like, oh, that's not a good way to think of it. Yeah. But it's kind of the way he's been thinking of everything. Right, yeah, because he's a... I think that's another big theme in the show and in the movies is, like, depression. Yeah. And I think when I was younger, I wasn't able to understand that that's what Shinji's going through. It makes sense. The world is ending. Things yeah. are shitty. He's depressed. He's only 14. Um, <laughs> can't really yeah. comprehend a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so he, he reacts very differently to what's happening than some of the other characters. But it's not any less realistic. In fact, it's probably, probably he's probably the like the most normal character yeah. in the show. And I think that that's kind of what draws the other characters to him is that he's got this innocence to him, you know, like that for, they don't have. Forever, you know? like, since the show came out in the 90s, everyone just says he's a wimp, he's a terrible character. But it's like, when you really think of it, it's like, 
no, he's probably one of the best characters. Like, you do all the stuff he did. Yeah, and it's not just like... cry every night and scream all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the other characters like yeah, Ray's not afraid, but there's a reason, you know, and yeah. and even when we meet Oscar, there's a reason as well, you know. So yeah. it's like they're sort of broken characters that aren't all the way. Um, I don't know. They they don't have the luxury of being able to feel how bad things really are. But Shinji does. He's like yeah. probably the most quote unquote normal character. Think about when stuff was kind of good still. Yeah. He remembers some good things. Do we meet Asuka in this movie or not yet? No. no. She okay. shows up... In the second one. The very beginning of the second movie. Oh, that's right. Okay. We watched all these back-to-back, so yeah. it's kind of hard which to... Which, in the, in the show, she shows up, I think, in episode eight. That's true. Which is pretty on point for this, because the movie takes it's place... It's like one to six. One to six, half a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, and that so makes it sense. it starts kind of where it left off in the show... But then after that is where it starts getting wildly different, which yeah. I think is, I'm not going to say for the best because I think the show is still good, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a great movie series. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we watched some behind the scenes stuff where Anno made some comments about the character Ray, that he was like extremely invested in the character up until basically this point. This fight, yeah. And then he kind of lost interest in her and sort of was fleshing out the other characters instead. Um, and I think maybe that's part of why some people, you know, oh my God, this is like the beginning of like the waifu wars where people yeah. team Oscar, team Ray. But I was always team Ray because, um, and I just wanted to say that I think she's a complex character because she's kind of, I mean, she's kind of like, you know, like data or something, you know, where she's like yeah. trying to, trying to figure out who she is, her humanity and all that kind of stuff. She's going through that throughout the show. We can um, touch on it when we get into the second one, but she always starts to evolve and learn up until a certain point. Yeah. And we'll cover that next time. Yeah, we'll <laughs> cover that next time. But there's there's a reason why she's so disconnected and why she's so confused and why... I, I don't think it's one of those, like, born sexy yesterday tropes where it's no. like, you know, that's so that she's hot or something. The, her, the way that her character is written it does have a big part to play in, especially in the beginning of the show, and I think especially at the end of the show, too. And these movies do a better job of making you more interested in her throughout, too. They keep her pretty more upfront. Yeah. She doesn't literally go away for, like, ten episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can tell in the show that they're more interested in Asuka. But um, I'm glad that... I always liked more than Asuka, but Unit 2 was my favorite Ava. I so I used to not like Oscar when I was a teenager. I thought she was mean and I didn't like her. She is mean, um, but I realized that she's like a really complex, tortured character yeah. now, and so I like her more. And but I can, oh, go ahead. We can talk more about her in the yeah. Second we'll we'll, we'll wait. To t- talk she's about not in that. this one. She's yeah, not introduced. and it's hard not to talk about Ray too much without giving things away about her either. But yeah. um, I I like that was one of the things that I really liked about this show. There's a lot of strong female characters now they're not perfect they're flawed but they're Everyone's interesting flawed, but that's more yeah realistic. agreed yeah like i said masato you know when i was younger i was like she's a drunk like, i don't know wouldn't you be if like yeah the, the whole world world... Was, like you don't know if it's gonna explode tomorrow and she's got this complicated history with her parents uh with ex-lovers um and just you know there's a lot going on in her life and yet she's so Optimistic, optimistic, yeah, yeah, about she the future. She can. Yeah, she, she really believes she can, and 
and for her to be like a colonel yeah. to, to be such an important character in the context of the show honestly was unique back then yeah um and then ritzko too i i won't say i love her um <laughs> she's got her some big flaws is so much not better but she has so much more to do character yeah in the show but i feel like the way the movies go they didn't really need that character as much so we kind of lose some of that character development true but she had a very like rough story but it's like like two really good episodes yeah since it's not in the movies you can say if you want well that kind of gives away spoilers about ray oh okay let's leave it at that then um yeah, Ritzko, I think by kind of taking out some of the more, I'm going to say it, maybe a little problematic aspects of her character, yeah. there's there's a there's an issue with the show of everyone being a little too obsessed with Gendo. Let's say that. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of of its time. Now, it does make for some interesting twists and turns in the story for sure. Yeah. Because Gendo has this habit of literally male or female using everyone. And when it's women, he tends to use them sexually um, to get what he wants. And I think that they kind of took some of that out of Ritsuko's character. And she becomes more more heroic, I think, in this one. Yeah. Because I think that's probably... I think that's still there, but it's minimized a little bit more. I think it's, like, mentioned. Yeah. It's more, like, centered on her mother that we learn about later. Yeah. yeah. Which, that's what I was wanted to talk about. I guess we could talk about that without delving too much into... Ray spoilers. Yeah, I don't think so. But it's mentioned, and you see that they use a. They hint that an AI program that calculates probabilities, and that's where they get a lot of their. Are we going to beat this angel or not? And it's called the Magi, which are based on the three wise men. They're three supercomputers that compute stuff differently, and they pretty much talk to each other and figure stuff out. What we don't get in the movies, but we get in the show, is that the Magi are all human brains. They're not computers. Yeah. They're human brains that talk to each other and come up with the most likely formulaic like, solution to the problem. And they're female human brains. Yeah. They're cloned brains of one woman. Ritsko's mother. Yeah. And so she but becomes... different... Aspects per- of her personality. Different personalities yeah. of one person. I guess it's kind of like... You know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's like, it's the uh, the mother, the scientist, and the woman. Which, yeah. I mean, in real life, I don't think those are that separate. But yeah. for the context of the show, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was really cool. Like, I think it was like a, an ep- it might have been one episode. But, I mean, they mentioned the Magi computer yeah. sometimes. But you, they don't go into what it is. They just don't have time. Yeah. But it's, it was not... one of my favorite reveals when you see the, the brains. They I was like, into it. And what? Like, they yeah. literally cut this like plate <laughs> off and there's a brain yeah. inside of it. Yeah, that blew my mind as a kid. Because I think this was like my first experience with like, I guess like biomechanical stuff. You yeah. know, like... This is before I saw like you know Cronenberg and, yeah. and well, it's like even like of, before the uh, the Matrix had come yeah, out. Yeah, you know? biomechanical stuff. There's a lot of like body horror in it. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, a lot of horror, like yeah. genuine horror, um, and it's fun. And I think the like religious uh, imagery stuff too is really interesting too. Yeah, whenever an angel dies, I feel like the system of a down. 
Uh, whenever they die, like, a, a explosion happens, but it's, like, cross-shaped. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Otto actually just said he he thought it, it was cool. But... Yeah, I mean, some of it is just... But he's cool. like, uh, uh, angels from heaven, when they die, a cross appears. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But make sure it's an explosion. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely makes for, like, really cool aesthetics especially at the end of the battle yeah and i just think it it was again my my first um i guess like window into that stuff this is way before i had read any sci-fi novels as a kid so like i think a lot of the stuff that they have in here it's not necessarily 100 percent original but i feel like it draws heavily more from hard sci-fi than a lot of other stuff does oh yeah there's Um, a ton of technical jargon being spoken in the background a lot and they're always talking about the different like layers on the neural net to yeah. keep the avas in check and all kinds of stuff. So I mean, there's a lot of hard sci-fi. Yeah, there's a lot of like, yeah, the the uh, pilots have to like sync yeah. with their avas, and if the sync's like broken or compromised, they could die. You know, there's a lot of like complex the stuff Ava that could happens. Absorb it into themselves. Yeah, that's a thing that could happen. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> we'll talk about Happened that more another once. time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's tough because this is the first one. There's so much I want to say that I can't say yet. Yeah. But hopefully, I don't know, hopefully our love for the for the franchise kind of comes across. And hopefully this was coherent and not just rambling. I might, I might give out a spoiler for your show, but we might do these four movies and then maybe we'll do each episode. Yeah, I could do that on the Patreon. You could break them down. Yeah. Or maybe do like a couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to do that. That'd be cool. Um, so yeah, this 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 is why we really like this movie and the show. I think this movie is great. It's a pretty good way to kind of dip your toe into this universe. Now, it is a little overwhelming uh, information-wise. There's a lot of info dump. If you watch anime, you know that they love exposition. And oh, yeah. <laughs> they give you a lot of it, maybe too much. But if that's your thing, it's my thing, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But it being a movie, yeah, a lot of it is stripped out. Yeah, that's it's true. Stripped down to where it can fit in a two-hour movie instead of a twenty-six episode series. Yeah, although I, I wonder what it's like to have never seen the show and to get that info dump into one, like two yeah. hours. But actually, tell me if if you listen to this and it makes you interested and you watch it, tell me. And if you have a question, ask me. I might know the answer. <laughs> yeah, th- there is some stuff that they left in the movies that is explained in the show but they don't explain it because i feel like anna's like yeah i want new viewers but this is for the fans yeah this is what well, i wanted plus, them to see back in the 90s let, let me just say the answers that you do get are kind of iffy i mean a lot yeah. of it is like us filling in the blanks because he didn't because he could never really make up his mind as to what was happening and i think he's known <laughs> for doing that like doing he always likes open-ended endings yeah so i mean it is a lot. It is, you know, a lot of information and a lot of imagery and symbolism and stuff. But if you enjoy that, I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess this brings me to my last couple of questions. Did we miss anything before I keep going? Oh, it's Ava, so probably, but I'm sure we can <laughs> we can do like eight more episodes on this I know. Long. I was worried about making this like three hours long. So let me just say... Well, if we were talking about the show... Yeah, I mean, that would be... We'd be here all night. Yeah. I, we we don't, literally we just cover the time. first six episodes, which is the first movie. Yeah. Um, why do you think you've seen this... Why, why do you think you've seen that show so many times, and why do you why do you keep buying these movies and <laughs> new yeah, iterations? I'm actually 
collecting the Japanese only collector's editions right now. I'm a weirdo humble, and I like humble this brag. show. But no, it's like, I feel like we were talking about this the other night. Whenever I saw this, I was probably right at the age of the characters. Mm-hmm. So I was like super into the show. I'm like, man, this is so cool. They're kids like me, but they're saving the world. There's so much going on. It's not just for being... It's very this, existential, like yeah. the crisis that the characters are experiencing. It's not just, you it's, know, physically the end of the world. Yeah. It's like mentally the distress of dealing with the end of the world. Yeah. It was it was complicated. I, I like that. Especially when you're a teenager, you have... That's kind of what you think all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're like emo, you know? <laughs> like I was an emotional kid and I was going through a lot and these characters were going through a lot. Now, the stakes were a little higher. It was yeah. the end of the world. But I appreciated that about it. Yeah, I feel like I was... I might have been too young, I don't know, but I feel like I was right at the perfect age to see this to where I could put myself into the show a little more. And even as I got older, it just stuck with me. It's it's always been my favorite show. There's so many other animes I watched dozens of times also, but this one is my favorite. This is the first one I owned the full series. Um Whenever I heard they were going to start doing these movies, I was skeptical at first, but then I saw this one, I'm like, oh, it's the show, but more flushed out. Yeah, I would say it's like a more mature version of the show, really. Yeah, like I feel it, like this he is made him for, as a writer, he got better. And yeah, like it, the, it's the, better for it. The young teenagers that watched this in the 90s, he made it for the 30 year olds watching it now. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, like you said, maybe it was a little too adult. I mean, there's a lot about it that's a little too adult. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it probably was. But I think it touched on some things that teenagers are dealing with uh, in terms of their emotions, even, you know, sex, honestly. Like, because yeah, you're, 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 yeah, you're, yeah, you're going through puberty and, and, and just all the things that teenagers are going through and then on top of that this really high stakes and taking their emotions like seriously yeah. you know i think it that really drew me in and then i mentioned it earlier i think the female characters are really compelling there's more of them than male characters yeah. actually but it's funny that over time this has kind of gotten a reputation of being like a toxic bro anime and that is so upsetting to me because i really don't think that's true there's definitely some over the well, top fan service. Bros are like cool robots and blood. Yeah, which happens. It, but there's that does a, happen. <laughs> a lot more behind all that. I think there's a lot more underneath all that, and I think that um, sure, you know, a lot of uh, it is hypersexualized. That's anime, especially in the '90s. Um, but I think that there's more to all those characters other than just being sexy. Yeah. And I think they have a huge part to play in the plot, and uh, they're important. Yes, Shinji is the central character. But I do, I said on Twitter, I think he's the template for a more empathetic, sensitive male lead. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Now. Yeah, I think when this came out, I mean, like you said, everyone hated Shinji. They did not understand why he wasn't more manly and all this stuff. And now that we're kind of in 2021, it's like we can be like, okay, I get it now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of toxic to claim that a 14-year-old little boy who's dealing with the end of the world can't cry about it. And he's um, directly responsible for if we make it to the next day or not. Yeah, and when he screws up, um, it's his fault. Yeah, yeah, like you said. 
Um, so that's kind of why I enjoy it so much. And, you know, how do you pitch this? How would you pitch this movie to someone that's never seen it before? Are you, you look nervous. <laughs> uh, I'm so nervous. I'm sweating bullets. Um, I think it's, we, we touched on this earlier. I'd be like, it's a very unique take on sci-fi. Yeah. There's weird spiritual biblical stuff. But also pretty hard sci-fi technical jargon, like the way the actuator that moves the left arm to where it doesn't bend the wrong way and break yeah. type conversations going on. That's so it's, true. <laughs> it's totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but it's blended together so perfectly. So if you want something that feels like sci-fi but not sci-fi at all it's like if this was real it would be like this it's like oh there's these robotic creatures but we also have these weird creatures from heaven coming down so there's probably <laughs> yeah. be a lot of people talking about faith and stuff all the time yeah yeah that's true. it's more of a like both sides are happening at once it's not yeah. one or the other it's like if you want a totally bonkers show that I think kind of would be pretty realistic. This is what you want to see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they, the way it's plugged online a lot is that it's a very influential anime. It did go on to influence the way a lot of anime after that looked. Yeah. Um, you kind of already mentioned the depth that it takes with its characters and stuff like that. It, it just basically changed the game. But yet nothing, I think, has ever been quite as unique and quite as good honestly as ava was to me um it, it, in this specific anime genre there's tons of good anime oh, yeah. but i don't think i don't there's been other shows that have sort of tried to duplicate what they did but i, I don't think, the think they were as good yeah duplicated yeah and and the influence that it had on pop culture in japan and here um goes a lot further than well, there's still like yeah. Ava stores there right i mean Super i mean i'm looking at my shelf and i have like a million figures of ray so there's that. Um, does that make you want to watch it? <laughs> but anyway, it's really good, and I suggest watching it. It's all on Amazon Prime right now, and I think that's why we kind all of... Movies. Yeah, want and the show, too, right? I don't know if they put the I, show on. I think the show's on there, too, but I, I could check. be wrong. I'll double check. But anyway, this we thought this was good timing to go ahead and make this episode. It's something we've been thinking about for a while. So yeah. we hope you enjoyed it. Nick, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me pretty much on all the social medias under Wardco Props or something like that. I think one of them has an underscore. <laughs> okay. I'm bad at plugging myself. I don't know which I'll one's put it which. In the but show notes. if you just look up Wardco Props on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, I should pop up. Great. Well, thank you again for coming on, and I'm so glad you love this as much well, as I do. <laughs> thanks for having me on to talk about my favorite anime that has luckily been turned into four really amazing movies yes 